Welcome to Corporate Graduate, a podcast for creatives, dreamers, and doers to turn their aspirations into action. Our guests share stories, lessons, insights, and tools learned while working at and for the world's biggest cult brands. And here, we explore ways for world-class innovation to inform everyday interaction. We've dedicated portions of our lives to the world's biggest brands, pouring our hearts and souls into design, marketing, and creative jobs within their four walls. Dreaming bigger, all of us graduated beyond the roles for which we thought we were destined to create a future of our own. I'm Danny Reyes Acosta. And I am Derek Roberts. Hi, Derek. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Danny. We sound, we're so serious. I know we are. And we basically realized that we both have had quite a few people reaching out to us over the years to inquire as to how we got our jobs and how we're doing what we're doing with our lives. I'm so glad that we're finally making this happen. It's been quite a while. And it has. And we've always kind of like had these discussions about, about, po- we, well, I guess, I guess we've always just had really intense conversations about just kind of our kind of career paths and about work and, you know, what should we do next? What's the right move? One of the big differences, obviously, of recording our conversation um, this time and sharing it with the world is this idea of taking that kind of peer mentorship um, element from our interaction and sharing it with the world, right? Because over the years, I think one of the things that you and I have both encountered, as well as quite a few of our other um, ex-Nike counterparts, or maybe people that still work there, is this whole question of, how did you get your job? Or what should I do to get this job? Or now that, in my case, um, <laughs> now, that, now that you're traveling around and adventuring and self-employed, you know, how do you do that, right? So all the questions of how do you make it work? Pretty much, yeah. And I think same thing as what you said. It, I get, I mean, I've got that all the time from just different different places with people saying, okay, I work in this industry, you know, what do I do next? You know, you've got any pointers and, you know, who do I talk to? How do I grow? You know, right. what's my next move? You know, is this a good move or is it a bad move? And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, people just need to, they need a community to kind of, mm-hmm. what's, what's that saying? With it? You need a village to raise a child. Something like that. And I think that's kind of like, a, it's very kind of applicable to people's careers. Like sometimes you need a little bit of a village to kind of, you know, give a little bit of a guidance. And I think that we want to create like a podcast. We want to create this podcast into something that, you know, people can kind of use as a, a great resource to, you know, share their loves, you know, share their passions and, you know, inspire other people and just help people and just make new friends, you know, make the world a happier place. I love that. You're so lovely. I try. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I think you hit the nail on the head, right? There's this big component of community um, that whether you're a freelancer or working in-house or um, maybe you're starting your own company, there's, a lot of times, unless you are a part of a mentorship program um, or can seek out a career coach or what have you, um, building community is so important, or it has been in my in my um, career, because that's what enables me to stay inspired and um, kind of take <laughs> take those aspirations and do something with them. You know? Yes, yeah, so true. So, and I also think that, you know, if you've got a really diverse kind of community of, you know, people that you know, it it really kind of helps you think in different ways. Like, mm-hmm. I, I guess, like, obviously, me and you, we, we come from different kind of kind of creative kind of backgrounds. 
mm-hmm. that um, I'm more, I, I'm a designer. Mm-hmm. And obviously you work in strategy. So I think that, you know, the beauty of our kind of conversations of, of, of my visualizations of like, you know, how I would kind of handle a creative product project, I should say, um, in terms of aesthetics and the kind of the basic kind of structure. And then I guess that you're more of the kind of the backbone, the more of the kind mm-hmm. of the structure and strategy of like, you know, getting things done in real time. Totally. Well, and there's, I think, a component to the big systems thinking piece, right? Um, There's, I don't know if I want to go into the whole thing, get on my soapbox just yet about how great brand strategy is and how important it is, Um, but we can can totally go there. But there's a big component of looking at, uh, not just for my work, but I think kind of in general, when you are a creative or a marketer trying to see kind of all the kind of pieces of the pie and how they all fit together so that you can make a better approach and figure out which way to go about things, right? Yeah, so true. I think you kind of nailed it. And I think that the most important, an important factor as well is our journeys. I think that, you know, everyone comes from a different, different place, you know, in the world. And it's, it's really interesting, like, you know, finding out about people's journeys and the, what kind of struggles they, they kind of over, overcame or overcome, so I should say. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, parts of their career where they've actually kind of pivoted or they've had a moment they've had a moment where they they weren't really sure you know whether to zig or zag and then they realized that you know where they were is it's the place they weren't actually destined to be they needed to be somewhere else Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. was the point i could i always say to my friends it's like a pivot point it's like you know when when a problem happens it's usually a point in your life where you just kind of have to kind of you know you look at what's around you and you kind of sit and you think and you pivot You, you 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 move adapt to that situation some way you either step towards it or you step away from it because you know it, it it's it's something you should do at that particular time and i think that that's for me is always like problems are, are moments where i need to kind of stop look listen figure out yep. whether i love that place or whether i hate that place or mm-hmm. or i want to move on yep yep no i think you make a great point of kind of that thing of moving away <coughs> from complacency right and yeah. having an awareness of um kind of what's going on, whether this is a particular project or, you know, in general, even creative, um, like your career path, right? Exactly. And looking and recognizing that, and I think that's probably why we're having this conversation in the first place, right? Um, and the, we've been having this conversation ever since, oh, dear Lord, 2012? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, Forever. It's been, seven, it's been seven and a half years, geez. That's crazy. Oh, crazy. I didn't realize I knew you that long. Didn't know we're still friends. <laughs> oh my god, it's been it's been a while. It's been uh, yeah. Okay, we'll have to get into that another. We'll, we'll talk about the origin story of a one gray, beautiful, rainy day in Beaverton, Oregon. Um, <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, no. The point of moving away from kind of uh, complacency, right? And I would think that anyone that's tuning in today is intrigued about you know how do I stay inspired? How do I um, kind of figure out what my whether it's my career path or approach a problem in a different way. And so I guess um, kind of in the future, I think it'd be nice to bump up the three points of what we'll, what someone can take away from an episode. But I think today we're going to talk about continual improvement, um, how failure does not exist, and then how people can connect the dots. And so in this short episode, I think we're going to talk about what we've done to address those pieces. Um, but then you know, moving forward, um, 
we'll obviously be interviewing other guests who will talk about their own journeys and what it's what their own road to building their career or portfolio or or success has looked like right um because that 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 thing i love you said how you said the zigger zag that whole component of well which way do i zigger zag and it if you're a boxer in the ring if you're not looking around you're gonna get get hit with the punch so yeah. sometimes you actually need to get hit by the punch because <laughs> that punch wakes you up it's true oh yeah oh i love this metaphor I've definitely, I definitely got my own punch, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk about, we'll talk about what that looks like a little bit later. Um, I guess, so we're kind of, we've talked a little bit about maybe what we're going to do today in the episode. Um, but overall, what are you thinking for in terms of how do we package up this approach, right? Because we've gone from the conversation of you and I mentoring each other on a weekly by weekly basis and talking about our own projects and how do we evolve some of those components in this post-corporate life, or as we say, post-corporate post graduate, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm an overachiever and hate the phrase corporate dropout. Um, but yeah, what are, you, what are you kind of thinking in terms of the objective for today's chat or even the podcast in general? Well, I think, I think for the podcast in general, I think that I want it to be kind of fun and informative. Mm-hmm. And we want to kind of give you know everyone's real information, which which can be actionable in some way, and also mm-hmm. you know you can actually learn about you know the people who into people we interview's personality. You can learn a lot more about them and you know what makes them tick. So mm-hmm. and that we want to obviously like you know build that community. So every every person we interview has a real kind of character and a real mm-hmm. story. And I know that for a fact that I have a few friends who've got some amazing stories where you know they've being designers and then they become personal trainers and then go back in design and other friends who, you know, designed and then become, you know, chefs become cooks and mm. you know, they've used the creativity, but on a completely different kind of level, but then they also kind of use the learnings that they've, they've established at, you know, these companies in their kind of present industry, which I think is really mm-hmm. interesting. It, it blows my mind. Cause I think that, you always think that you kind of, when you're a kid, you've got to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And, you, and the people talk about transferable skills, but you don't know really what those skills are until you get into the real world. And you kind of, you realize that, we, especially I think when you work for corporate companies, you realize that there's very rigid structures and how to do things, like mm-hmm. frameworks. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of realize how those frameworks work, you can realize that they're very kind of applicable to different industries Absolutely. and different situations. So if we're supposed to, so if I'm taking a, a not so subtle reference to the Matrix, the movie and that thing that you and I have both worked in, okay, you're saying yeah. the spoon does not exist. <laughs> it's so true though. It's it's funny because I think that a, a lot of people's problems are sometimes just perceptions mm-hmm. that they haven't got the right skills. They don't really think that you know. I heard someone say something once that you know everything you need is inside of you. You just got to mm-hmm. basically figure out how to kind of get those things out there. Yep. And I think that <clears throat> some of it, it's, it's kind of like the alchemist journey is that you've got to go for a lot, a bunch of things to mm-hmm. figure out the things that you really like and the things that you really need in your life. And those things, mm-hmm. um, help you kind of figure out where you need to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love it. That's the, <laughs> I love that you brought up the alchemist journey <laughs> as well. I mean, that's, I think a big part of the challenge I know I've personally faced, um, and a lot of the people with whom I've worked or hired or, you know, kind of encountered in, um, in my, I guess, gosh, now over 10 years of experience is this thing of, 
how do I take this idea of something I want to create or kind of an end goal uh, and, and make that a thing, right? Um, and it's that whole thing of your, like, what does it look like to create a plan to, that builds on your dream and your perspective um, to, to do a lot of really hard work? I, you know, that's the, that's the messy side I think a lot of people don't see because it's really, really easy to your point of perception um, with social media now to see, you know, to see the van life or to see someone on top of a mountain or to see a really beautifully shot um, shoe that someone's designed, right? But I think this is in many ways an effort to kind of pull back the curtain and see, you know, exactly what the wizard is doing back there. Yes, yeah, so true. I think that's a, it's a great analogy. I mean, for me, I always think that a lot of people, I mean, I kind of see success is, you know, when someone's put the work in, but the mm -hmm. work is driven by passion. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's not always driven by the money. The money is just a byproduct of someone actually pursuing something they, they should, or they pursue their dreams to a certain extent. That yep. it's, a, it's a reward. It's not a given. It's a reward. I have to put in a plug for all for all the uh, freelancers and aspiring entrepreneurs out there. The money will come. Yep. <laughs> do the work. Do what you believe in. The money will come. I'm, yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a true believer of that. I really do. And I think that um, in terms of like my history, I think that I've always been a designer. Even when mm -hmm. I wasn't a designer, I was always a designer. Like I think from the age of like you know five years old. I was always drawing pictures and when I went to school, I sold my pictures to my friends. And the funny thing was when I moved away um, and came back, so I'm from England and I, I moved back to England and I bumped into old school friends. They mm -hmm. always said to me, I remember when, when you, when you used to draw pictures of rabbits and you sold them to us and we still have them to this day. And that's 30 odd years ago. Oops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't age myself. Um, <laughs> well, you're going to age yourself at some point. It's going to come out. Oh, I know. Exactly. Um, so they still have these things, but for me, it was always, it was always a love. It was always a passion. It was always something that I mm -hmm. did. I, I didn't get paid for it. I just did it. And I think that through the years, it's just something that I've just kind of relied on. It's just something that kind of helps me relax and you know, yep. it's always well, there. Can you maybe tell the audience a little bit about more about your journey beyond how you monetize your <laughs> <laughs> illustrations as an eight year old? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so what did the journey go look like for little Derek and where is Derek from? Okay. So Derek, I'll say little Derek. So Derek is from. <laughs> you can't say that in third person. It's creepy. Awkward. Anyway. So, um, yeah, my name's Derek. <laughs> I'm actually from England. So I'm, I'm from a, a place called Buckinghamshire and it's not near mm. where the queen lives. Cause that's what I used to get there a lot. So, <laughs> so from me, yeah. So as I said before, from a young age, I was always drawing all that kind of, all that kind of thing. And I think that I kind of had a bit of a vision that I was like, I saw a mag, I think I saw a magazine actually. That's what it was. I saw a magazine with some football boots. I think they were Adidas or some Nikes. And I was like, I want to work for this guy. I don't know what this is, but I like this thing. And I think that when I saw that, I really kind of put my passions into drawing sneakers and all those mm -hmm. kind of things. And wait, can I ask you a question? Okay. Did you play soccer at the time? I did actually. I was really okay. and my favorite team's Liverpool. Oh. It's big. That's, oh. no, that's big. Anyway, we can talk okay. about it another time. And so <laughs> that was a major passion. And I think that, you know, I it's something that I really pushed at school when people said I was good at it and I I kept on kind of, you know, pushing through. My parents never kinda of said, Don't do it. They just let me just go they my parents let me go with the flow and um as things happened, 
I ended up going to college and went to university, obviously. Well, and did, oh, I say obviously, but you don't know me. And, well, uh, hold on really quick. Okay. Is that, is it that, are your, your parents are immigrants, right? Yeah. So my, my parents are from the Caribbean. So my mom's from Barbados okay. and my dad's from St. Vincent. So oh. as some people say, I'm first generation English. <laughs> So, yeah, so, which is kind of interesting because I think that in terms of my parents as well, I mean, where they come from, design is not really a big thing. So they mm-hmm. they obviously have this son, he's in England, he's drawing pictures and they're like, they don't know what it is or what kind of career it could be, but they mm-hmm. know that, you know, he might have some sort of skill. So my parents were just kind of, they they just kind of let me just go with it really and, um, which I always kind of com- commend them for. And I'm kind of, yeah. yeah, really kind of happy that they they gave me the opportunity. Well, I, I asked the question yeah. about your parents, um, not only because it is an interesting piece of, you know, maybe even how your design style has evolved, but, um, you know, I know in the United States, when we talk about first generation um, Americans, uh, it's not always common that, um, you know, to go to college for the first, first generation. In yeah. fact, it's becoming... It's it's quite an achievement. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Well, it's interesting for me because I think that for me, it's it's something that we never really spoke about. It's just something that we did. And I think that, not that I want to go into kind of race and all that, all those kind of politics, but I think that there's things that, you know, things in England that people take for, take for granted that it's never really a consideration. I don't think mm-hmm. any of my friends have really kind of sat down and talked about being the first one to go to college or university. It's just something that you do. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think this should be another podcast episode. Yeah, well, it's true. It's, it's why it's funny because it, it's true. That it's really interesting because I think that a lot of my parent, friends, their parents probably never went to university, and their mm-hmm. first generation, I guess, the first one to go to college within their immediate family. But then it was never really a conversation. It was kind of like, okay, we just want you know our child to do well. They're doing mm-hmm. well. They're in the system. I say in the educational system, they're enjoying it, and it, it just mm-hmm. seems like the natural process that. If you leave, if you go to college, you're going to go to university, mm-hmm. and I think that in England generally, I mean, that's the expected path. It's not pushed for everyone, but then it's something that people do, and I think that maybe we're lucky enough to have a system where um, it's not paid for. Well, it was when I was when I was at university, it wasn't paid for, so I think that a lot of the financial costs or burdens were taken off people's backs. So mm. you had more opportunity to, to to go to university and study. That's and actually awesome. learn your skill and then obviously when you when you graduated then you could you know pursue the career that you wanted to yep um and i have a question okay does your well i have lots but okay. to keep it focused yeah um did is design school for you the same as university oh and can we clarify for all of our us-based speakers when you say college do you mean high school <laughs> i guess so i mean the schooling system is really <laughs> different so Oh. Um, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. So I guess high school is a little bit like college in England. So because mm-hmm. in England you can actually leave school officially at 16. Oh. Yeah, at 16. So you can kind of leave school, go into you know a career, a job, whatever you want to do, or you can go to higher education. So for the ages between 16 and 18 mm-hmm. is generally you know when people go to college. Gotcha. In England. And then from okay. 18 upwards, that's when you go to university. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of what generally where, how the kind of education system kind of works. 
Okay. And then when did design school happen for you? So um, it was, that, that's what I would call university. Okay. So I went to an, I okay. went, I went to an, I went to an art school, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, university. Yeah, like, it's confusing. <laughs> so obviously I, I did that and um, I actually had a, I, so I got a degree in multimedia textiles. Oh. So, which is kind of really kind of a little bit different to what I actually do now. So the course was mainly about innovation, creative innovation. Mm. So the scope was very broad. I could actually, during the, the way the kind of course was set up, that it was all very much textile based, but you could create whatever textiles you wanted and you could actually um, visualize or, or you could actually make the textiles for any kind of industry. So you could go to fashion, it could be architecture, it could be something architectural, it could be furniture. Whatever cool. you wanted it to be, that's what the course was, as long as you used some sort of material. That's neat. And your favorite project? So the, so my actual final project... So <laughs> I'm I, interviewing you now. <laughs> okay, Sorry. I know you're interviewing me now. So one of my really good friends now, sort of a good friend, his name's Ricky Stone. And um, I think at college, we, we, we just, we, we, we met each other and we just kind of clicked. He was very like me. We were, were very, we had so many different ideas and I think that, before we graduate, we're like, we're going to get jobs. We're going to be the ones to get jobs. If we have to, you know, send letters to people, we're like, you know, 20 letters a day, we're going to do it. And then, uh, and then I, can't, I, I don't know whose idea it was, but we were just kind of walking down the street. And I was like, you know, I do textiles and you do graphics. Why don't we do a joint project? And mm. if we do a joint project, we get to see people will see our work in two different spaces. So we've got double the chance of being discovered or being seen by someone. That's awesome. And he was like, yeah. And I was just kind of like, so I love, I love, I love his work. I was like, you've got cool work. And, um, so, um, we figured out like a narrative. So my final, um, project at university was based on deconstruction. So it's called deconstruction in the home. So I basically took home furnishings and I made them into kind of textile samples, which I kind of developed into fashion pieces like dresses and they had embroideries, which was slightly destroyed. And, um, as I was making these, I, I was telling someone about like my narrative and and I was like, you know, fire's the, you know, the biggest enemy of deconstruction in the home. And I was like, just burn everything. And they're like, no, you won't. And I was like, hmm, maybe I will. I think I like, <laughs> part of me was like, I like, I like the fact that you don't think I will do it. And I, I think that I could make that into a story and make it work. Mm-hmm. So they thought I was joking, but then I think I got definitely, I got really serious. And then I talked to my friend, I was like, I've got this really great idea. So why don't you film me? You film my process, and at the at the end, you you, you video me burning this these dresses, and so we can kind of it could be like the story could all be could be about the mad creative person, Ooh. and so you yeah so you, the video kind of pans in from green like it's well it starts off in two ways that one minute I'm very calm and collective, and then there's this blue this green screen that goes over the green light overlay that goes over the screen i'm manic mm-hmm. i'm going crazy i'm ripping stuff up it's pretty crazy actually funny funny looking at thing about it now but we kind of play we kind of play that story all the way through and at the end i throw these dresses down and we put petrol and them, set them alight <laughs> <laughs> and i've got and you see me like laughing and i'm like what the hell am i doing at the same time so i kind of stamp them out and then i use these and then at my very final show i take really nice pictures of these dresses and the mm-hmm. samples, and I actually have the dresses hanging up on my space. So the space is all white, all immaculately white, and then and then these these dresses which are all kind of burnt and deconstructed, hanging in the space. And um, I have the video playing, a few sketchbooks, 
and so yeah, it was pretty sick. And then in my friend's space, he had a, he had the video playing as well, and we definitely mm. played off each other. And I, I think I would say that it was really successful in terms of you know what I wanted to be and just the kind of reaction I got from that. And yeah, um, yeah so and luckily, lucky enough, before I actually had my final show, I, I got offered a couple of placements overseas. So mm-hmm. I went from college straight to um, working for a, des- a design studio in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, creating textile design so a lot of my work at that time was kind of very much hand-drawn so I wasn't really savvy on the computer at that time mm-hmm. so I worked there for did we f- have computers back then Derek it was probably like Illustrator 0.0 <laughs> well yeah there was there was Illustrator but yeah I I think it was like Illustrator 8 or something it might be before that I mean it's a long long time ago yeah. and um, so I, I worked here yeah, I worked in New York for a, a small textiles company for a while and that was like my first kind of taste of design world which I was like, I was like, this mm. design stuff's kind of easy in a way. I was just kind of, I was kind of very full of confidence. I didn't, you know, I was, still, I, was still, I had a lot to learn. And I think I just, you know, did the best I could. And I think that's what I've always done. And then lucky enough, I was, um, I got offered, my, I think my tutor at college rang me up and said, oh, okay, there's a, a company in Paris that wants you to, you know, work as an intern. I was like, wow, I'm off. I'm off to Paris now. And I just, basically worked in new york went back home for a week or so and i was out to paris mm-hmm. and um That's awesome yeah and i worked um in paris for a same i think for like two three months and i had to return to england to have reparation because i had a hernia at the time oh yeah working nothing too hard yeah no lifting too many weights i was trying to be a strong man <laughs> what did the Ooh. what did the muscles so what did the muscles yeah, I mean, you're diversifying your your portfolio. If the design thing doesn't work out, you could you could have been a strong man. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's that's. I like. <laughs> I like that. That's where my head was at. It's good, smart. You know, yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. So how'd you go from Paris? So you went uni, New York, Paris, back to New York, and then and then what? Because between. Oh no! I went New York for... and Portland is quite a big. Oh, so I went from so I went to Paris and then went back to England. Okay. And then I worked in England um, for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then while I was in England, um, I got a phone call one day and someone's like Abercrombie, and I was like, "What's Abercrombie thing?" <laughs> I was like, kinda... meanwhile, meanwhile, ninth grade girls everywhere were pining over Abercrombie cargo shorts. Exactly. Well, I'm in England. I mean, it was it wasn't really established brand in England at that time, so no one really knew what it was. And then I googled it, and I was like, oh, it seems kind of cool. And then I actually remembered I sold some work to Abercrombie. Mm. And then as I talked, and I thought the whole conversation was a joke. I was like, yeah. I was like, why are you calling me for? I was like. Phew. I haven't really done it in my head. I was like, I haven't really done anything that big to be, you know, for America to be calling me. Time out. You're underestimating yourself. Well, I mean, I love that America called you. <laughs> well, I think it's that, it's that time where I think to myself that I've only been working for maybe, you know, just maybe two years. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think it's not like my work was in magazines or anything like that. So I didn't really have, as I say, big time exposure. Mm-hmm. So I was always, I was, I was very kind of shocked that, you know, somebody contacted me in that respect. But then I actually, and I thought it was a friend of mine, and it wasn't, which was kind of embarrassing <laughs> because I was like, I was like, stop talking with that silly voice. I was like, this isn't real. And he said, okay, so we've heard about you. And I was like, oh, wow. And we want you to do a project. So um, I basically created the product, project, just to say, sent it off to Abercrombie, didn't think I'd hear anything, and then um, went on holiday. I was probably standing on the bar topless or something like that. 
And suddenly, I think I was actually, and then randomly I remember getting this phone call saying, hey, um, we want to fly you out in two days' oh. time. And I'm like, what? Um, I was like, I'm, in ho- I'm on holiday at the moment. They're like, um, well, you've got the interview. And I was like, okay. So I get back in my house, get back. I, I, got, I got back. So I flew back the next day and then pretty much like had half a day at home and then I was out again. And oh, then yeah, I, and I yeah. and I had this huge interview at Abercrombie and it was um I think I was interviewed by eight eight different people and I was like so tired. To cut story short, um I got the job. Yeah. And then I ended up flying out to Abercrombie. I worked at Abercrombie for five years. And yeah. um and then after those then after those five years I, I kinda of felt that, you know, I I don't want to try something different. I wanted to move away and then I had some contacts. In, in LinkedIn, through all the time I worked at Abercrombie, yeah, just for, for various recruiters contacted me, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. respond to these people, see if there's any opportunities anywhere else, and um, emailed American Eagle, and they had a position. They're like, hey, um, do you want to work for us? And I was like, I don't really want to do that. Part of me, I wanted to try something different in a different kind of um, aesthetic because really I think the part, yeah. I think part of me, I, I just don't want to get pigeonholed. I hate the idea mm-hmm. of getting stuck, you know, working on a particular aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it would be a little bit of money. And, um, <laughs> then I was doing men's at the time and they offered, they offered me the opportunity to women's and I was like, well, that could be interesting. And it's in New York. So, um, I ended up taking the job and I worked, um, American Eagle. I worked on their women's line for about two years or so. And then I worked, um, on 77 kids. Mm-hmm. And then whilst I was working at 77 kids, um, uh, kids or kids that was the first time that i got contacted by nike so nike contacted me on linkedin and um we started to have just kind of conversations about opportunities and you know all the other jazz all that stuff you're yeah. good at the conversations and then that put us in the same room in october 2012 yeah so i interviewed and i got the job congratulations Fantastic. At Nike, I worked on various projects for North America, and I worked on the kids' kids line as well. So, if you actually want to see more of my work, you can go to um, itsderekroberts.com. So it's I T S D R E K O B E R T S dot com. Derek Roberts. Okay. I'm glad you plug. I, thank you. <laughs> thank you for spelling that out. <laughs> Wait until we, I give people my address. It's very long. Okay. <laughs> so yeah so that's me so that's my history so currently um i, I actually you yeah, know obviously quit nike and um, i'm working in the freelance space uh various brands like mm-hmm. calvin klein zingwell making beautiful things that we might see on runways and or probably buy in stores hopefully six seasons out from now we can only hope we can only hope well it's good stuff it's good stuff, and I'm I'm thankful we've kept in touch over these seven and a half years because it's been a circuitous journey, and I don't know about you, but it's definitely been a little bit messy for me. <laughs> no, true, but I think I think I always think that part of that mess is the beauty of everything that you know you're going to make these mistakes. It's like a, a diamond doesn't come out shiny. Mm. It needs that pressure. It needs you know a little bit of time, and then hopefully. If, if, it, if it all goes well, you come out with something that's kind of near perfect. Well, everything's perfect in a way. Just got to enjoy the journey. Let's be just serious. Got to put things under pressure and see what happens. I True. Guess. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, like you just got to enjoy the journey. That's what it is. I mean, everyone's everyone, everyone's got their struggles. 
nothing's perfect, but you just gotta you gotta roll with what you have and just enjoy it. Yeah. Some yeah, people absolutely. don't get the chance to enjoy it. That's true. Well, maybe that's the kind of being open to and receptive to that idea of if everything, as I had said to someone the other day, um, that I guess it was last night that was talking about hitting the road and taking her young daughter with her. And she's, you know, basically communicating how nervous she is and afraid to make all these mistakes. And, you know, in my own experience, um, definitely in my career and certainly in my personal life as well, I think if we allow fear to, like if I have allowed fear to kind of rule how I make my decisions, that essentially becomes paralyzing. And it's kind of one of these things where if I'm not acting from a place of open-mindedness and love and kind of just being guided by my own internal compass, then it doesn't, yeah, it's not, it's not productive for me. And I guess it's actually kind of how I ended up at Nike in the first place was that idea of what's good for me, right? Yeah. Um, when I got, I too got a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of the blue, you know, when I got that phone call, um, pitching me on this job and, you know, we started the interview process. I was in a place um, personally and professionally that wasn't productive. I'd been doing some really great work, but I was in a, I was working in the space and defense um, kind of, vertical through working with um, wireless technology and that was great but I was not really it wasn't let me step back it was a beautiful opportunity to build a brand learn about content marketing when content marketing was not even a phrase (laughs) I think Twitter had just been launched like a year and a half before Um, and yeah I got to do some really really cool stuff but you know ultimately I realized that the work that I was doing was not um, feeding my soul and yeah when I got the phone call I <laughs> basically telling me that Nike was offering me a job two weeks later I packed up a rental car and left San Diego and head up to headed up to Oregon and that was a fateful fateful day fantastic so, day <laughs> it was it was probably rainy let's be real yeah it's still fantastic just like England just like England <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. So it's it's kind of a weird thing, right? Because I'm thinking about my own journey and kind of reflecting upon yours. Yours seems, I mean, maybe not necessarily super direct, but you know, if I look at what I'm doing now in terms of brand strategy and brand innovation and think about what the, these like 10 and a half or so years have really looked like, it's been so many different things. And I've worked with so many different con- con- companies, companies in a couple of different countries as well. Um, but it's always been that kind of super scrappy approach of figuring out how to do it because I didn't, I didn't go to university for marketing or, um, design or, um, I mean, I guess I did, I did (laughs) part of my, my, part of my formal training is rooted in understanding system dynamics, um, because I went to school for, um, global studies uh, and essentially learned about economics, international relations, um, development, uh, sustainability, kind of the things of, you know, what makes the world a great or not so great place. And that's shown up in how I do my work, um, certainly. But, you know, after I got out of school, let's see, that was uh, 06, the economy crashed in 08. And so I had started my first little company then. And that was quite interesting 
um, did that for a couple of years, got to do some really great work um, with the USGA and with um, JCPA. Um, basically, we're doing these kind of mobile, or not mobile, um, like web web um, identity things. What things are you passionate about in terms of what you've oh. done or, you know? The work yeah, or the, the player, both? In terms of both, I guess, because I, I, I always kind of feel they kind of feed each other in some way. Absolutely. Well, it's, I love that you asked that. So the last couple of years, um, ever actually since leaving Nike, I have been steadily um, and doggedly <laughs> working towards figuring out how to layer my personal and professional passions. And so what's, what that means today is that I have a brand strategy or brand innovation collective um, called Nomad Creativa. And the work that we do is essentially geared towards um, creating a better world. And we do that with marketing and we do that with brand strategy. Um, that work looks like consulting in-house. It looks like in, in the last six months running workshops um, and sitting on panels and kind of moving away from the one-to-one -one relationship I had with, you know, where a company would hire me and I'd go work in-house or, or as a contractor and build a team or bring my own team. Um, but in the last six to eight months, it's really been a focus of how do I take this approach, um, which is rooted in change management and process design and user experience um, and um, empathy, right? So really yeah. looking at human human factors <laughs> and think about how do we how do I take so many of my different experiences and wrap it up into an approach that can help um, many small many companies, whether they're small or medium or even big, and so. Um, I'm working primarily in the outdoor industry. Um, I've also in the last five years had, had some work as well in the kind of ed tech and startup space. Um, but all of the work has really been to back organizations that are creating good in the world because, you know, if <laughs> I don't know if you saw Patagonia's updated mission, this thing of we're in the business to save our home planet. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of work that, you know, i I really, really love brand strategy and digital strategy and understanding the consumer experience or the customer journey and kind of getting into what makes people tick um, and identifying an opportunity around, you know, how have, how have people maybe not been talked to before or kind of marginalized and how do we bring people into the fold so that they can also be part of um, experiences in the outdoors and those and I say that because, you know, for me personally, my own experiences in the outdoors have been um, healing and challenging and amazingly beautiful and community building. And there's a big component of, you know, I wouldn't be who I'm not who I am if I didn't have those experiences. And so, yeah, I uh, want to get more people outside and connecting to each other and building community and you know, doing some good along the way. It so. makes sense, though. I think that you've kind of made some really great points about that kind of that one-on-one -on -one interaction. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I think, and it kind of relates back to, you know, this podcast in a way is that, you know, we want to kind of reach people on different levels of their journey. We're like ground zero, so you can kind of talk to us and figure out, you know, where you want to go. And we can kind of like give you that little push. You help us, we help you. It's that kind of right. situation of you know, creating a community that no one's bigger than anyone else that, you know, mm -hmm. to save the world in a way mm -hmm. we right. kind of, we all need to kind of communicate, you know, and I think that 
if we if we bring it back to that level, that I think that the issues that we have in the world today are, are basic that people are disconnected, that mm. we don't know, you know, who our neighbour really is, and we and people don't choose to find out about people's problems as well. If you can actually meet someone and you know figure out, you know, learn more about their life and about their struggles, you mm-hmm. actually realise you actually learn a lot about their needs. And I think that yep. the, when you learn those things, it kind of you can actually solve big problems. Absolutely, and I yeah. I love that you're going back to the em- like two things. So, a the empathy piece, right, of understanding when you're trying to solve a problem, how, right, like there's this thing of the unidirectional. Like I have identified a problem, and yeah. here is the research, and here's how we can solve it. But so often, um, whether you're in strategy or in marketing, um, or in sales or what have you, I think. Or even just internally developing your organization, um, it's it's really common to um, kind of overlook um, the experience of yeah. the people that are going through the change or the challenge. And so maybe that's kind of one of the things I think we're trying to talk about is how do yeah. we how do we maybe think about if we we want the world to be a better place, so we want good design to make life easier and beautiful, and you know all these really lovely high minded ideals, but at the same time. What does it really look like to practice empathy um, in yeah. the design process or in the strategy process or in the customer journey? Um, and yeah, I think that's probably something we'll get into a little bit later, maybe even in a dedicated podcast. Um, but I wonder, just for the sake of time, um, okay. what else can I answer you answer for you about any of my background experiences? Um, hmm. Before we kind of think about how do we wrap this up and and take this episode to the world. Okay, um, I'm trying to think. What else do you want to share? Ooh, well, let's see. Aside from being a podcaster and having this brand innovation collective, let's see. Um, there are a few few projects in the works, um, which I can't speak to just yet. <laughs> But <laughs> maybe next episode. Um, but I guess if you want to learn a little bit more about me, you can also go to my website, dannyreyesacosta.com. That's D-A-N-I-R-E-Y-E-S-A-C-O-S-T-A.com, where you'll see a little bit of my work. Um, and yeah, my journey is my journey is always changing. I quite literally, quite literally, I live. Uh, in a van and uh, this podcast is coming to you from Forestville, California and uh, the next one will probably be from but what no, but I say one thing whereabouts this is what I think is the most amazing thing about you is that <laughs> <laughs> we talk and my friends where is she I was like she's on a mountain somewhere it's true <laughs> it's true um yeah so I live on the road I uh as in the words it's so funny someone had asked me on Instagram yesterday oh where are you based and I said well um you know I'm based in the van and I do, I backcountry ski or splitboard. Um, I love trad climbing. Uh, I love surfing and I love to see my friends. So my friends are far and wide and there are many mountains to climb and rocks to scramble up and uh, waves to surf. So I try to go to all these different places and have those life experiences. I found that, you know, again, those experiences kind of help me come back to my work as a creative and as a strategist and help keep things in perspective, right? Because there's nothing like being really freaking scared <laughs> that you might die <laughs> or get eaten by a bear or 
mostly that you'll fall off of a mountain. This is, you know, the thing Preach. I think about. It's funny. I always have visions of you, like, you're like the female Bear grills. You're out there just <laughs> surviving, and, like, I see these pictures of you just, like, I'm just going to snowboard just off this mountain face. And I'm like, are you crazy? I am, yeah. And but in the right kind just of way. Makes me Oh, yeah, and P.S. I walked my ass up there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I'm kind of out. I mean, Buckinghamshire, you know, in the countryside behind my house, like, look, watching the bird feeder, watching the robins and the blue tits. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's some great, I don't want to say juxtaposition, but the dichotomy in our two kind of experiences is maybe what also makes this podcast a little bit interesting, right? Like, you are a designer, and your path as a designer is kind of led you to so many different places but as a strategist my part of what i want to do is understand you know how does the world live and what are different human experiences like and so i'm quite literally putting myself in the places where i can see what those different experiences are like and always trying to connect with new people and yeah do all sorts of cool stuff and you know along the way maybe i get a little bit scared but it's definitely helping me grow as a person and you know, a little bit of contrast never hurts. Got this one life, man. No, pretty much true. I think I think you always make amazing points, and I think that I mean I, I totally agree with everything you <laughs> oh, said. That you. it's always about the struggle. The struggle. The struggle makes this makes you know everyone's journey that interesting. I think that you know without these blips and these things, it's all the things that everyone worries about. That you know, um, is it going to be perfect? Do I want it to be great? What if I fail? Mm. And it's like, well. No. Anyone who's actually doing anything that's really amazing, they've always failed. They've always screwed up. They've, they've always, you know, they've always had that moment where they've done it. They've done something really badly and they right. went home and thought, okay, so what do I need to do? How am I going to, you know, redefine myself? How am I going to rework it? How am I going to fix it? How am I, how mm -hmm. am I going to do it better? And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you've just got to look at every kind of situation through those lenses that, you know, you don't know it, but you have, you learn it. And I mean, it's funny because I talk to my mom sometimes about things and she's like, I can't do that. And I was like, well, I, could, I know you can ride a bike. You know, did you just get on a bike and ride it? She's mm -hmm. like, no. She goes, well, you know, I practiced. I got on it and I, I wrote, tried mm -hmm. to ride it. And I was like, well, that's what you need to do. It's like, you know, it's like mm -hmm. everything you don't know. No one knows everything. <laughs> like when you're a kid, you know nothing. You just do <laughs> things. And I think that as an right. adult, that people get so preoccupied about doing things perfectly that, that they forget the skill actually is put time in there put passion mm -hmm. and just do it yes. every day and yep. then you get somewhere oh, yeah. you see the improvements like going to the gym you don't you don't get muscles by watching videos of Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> you're gonna lift those bloody weights <laughs> hey I don't know they have those really cool things you can buy on you know TV that are like a nope. muscle stimulator nope. that I hope it work. doesn't sound like I'm like a religious like weightlifter because I'm not really <laughs> A weightlifter. I go to them sometimes. I mean, it's it's. I just noticed I keep on talking about weightlifting, but <laughs> you haven't talked about it that much. You're fine. Uh, yeah. Hello, world. Derek is. We're all a little bit self conscious about our things. <laughs> Derek is yoked. Just joking. Okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm Funny. teasing you. Uh, we're friends. Yes. Yes. We still friends. <laughs> Guess so. <laughs> um okay so going so going back to the point of you know just doing doing the damn thing right there's yeah. um i think this piece of for me in my outside life um that's really helped me think about how do i approach being an entre entrepreneur um or creativepreneur 
right? With this podcast and with all of my consulting and all of these other projects I've got, I've got in the works, um, both with clients and, you know, driven by my own passion, um, and some of my project partners, but there, you know, there's nothing like trying to summit a mountain and realizing that there are conditions outside of your control, right? Like last week I went to go up Mount Tulac with my friend Jeff and, uh, Wait, was it last week? Oh, I can't keep track. I travel too much. Anyway, we went to go summit one of these really beautiful mountains and had this line that we wanted to ski, but, you know, the cloud cover wasn't letting the snow soften up and there was a little bit too much wind and, you know, all of these things that kind of, you know, if you look at it as a metaphor for life, well, that's just out of your control and it just is what it is. But, yeah, you know, we still went up there and we still had a good time and we got to ski this other cool thing and, Still had to, you know, realized, okay, well, maybe here's what we could do differently next time or just realize it is what it is. Yeah, just gotta, I think, enjoy that. You just enjoy that moment in time. Enjoy that moment for what it is because it's like you never know if that opportunity's going to happen again. Right. But going back and to the so. thing of, you know, what are the things that people can learn from even just this little intro episode aside from who we are and where, you know, what we're working on, where we've come from and so on. That, that component of, you know, failure, there is no such thing as failure. Right. To me, failure does not exist. Learning always exists. You stole that, you stole right? that quote of Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I didn't. <laughs> failure doesn't exist. Failure does not exist. <laughs> Is that how he talks? <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. Uh, it's fine. Josh me back. Uh, right. But yeah, no, I think, I, yeah, if maybe there's one thing uh, we can leave people with today. It's this idea of, hey, guys, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> and just keep trying just do it just do the damn thing exactly focus and, passion and, and keep on going that's my words of wisdom do, and do some epic shit exactly couldn't have said it better <laughs> <laughs> i stole that from you all right well um i guess let's yeah it's been great talking to you well great talking to you as always i hope that everyone out there if anyone's listening you know felt <laughs> thought this was beneficial in any way and hopefully you know you can kind of give us any pointers of things that we can do better and improve yeah absolutely but until then please don't forget to share this episode with friends and your thoughts with the world and thanks for being here your app your input means so much to us if you haven't already rated or reviewed our show please head over to itunes Castbox, stitcher or wherever you listen and subscribe and leave us a note or two. Your feedback helps others' listeners find us, as well as helps us keep improving. You can also send us a note at hello at corporategraduate.com or nominate a graduate for us. If you have questions for either of us, find us on LinkedIn as ourselves or on Instagram as corporategraduate. Stay creative, (laughs) work hard, and always, always do everything. And keep on grinding. (laughs) Grind on! (laughs)